0: Episode 343 of The Virtual Couch. I am your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from turning to things like pornography as an unhealthy coping mechanism. So if you want more information, go to pathbackrecovery.com. And just getting all the business done up top, you can continue to go to tonyoverbay.com slash workshop. And I have a $19 90-minute what you never knew that you didn't know about marriage workshop that then sets the stage for my magnetic marriage course. And that is perfect segue into if you are a couple who would enjoy being coached, therapized, I don't think that's a real with me, then send an email to info at because we are getting closer and closer to the launch of the magnetic marriage podcast, which will be a subscription-based podcast well, well, less than the cost of one therapy session with me, and I've got a lot of those episodes recorded, and it is powerful and amazing and beautiful and dynamic and it, real people, anonymous people that are coming together for the first time with me, and I am coaching them. I am using the four pillars of a connected conversation and using connected conversation scripts, and we're talking about invalidation, and we're talking about external validation, and we're talking about, do you want love or control in an adult relationship? Because you can't have both. And are you being confusing with the signals that you're giving and how do we communicate? And it is so exciting. So if you want to know more about that, just go sign up at my on my website for my newsletter and or you can email me at contact at tonyoverbay.com. And again, if you want to participate, send an email to info at We've got uh, quite a few people that are interested in participating, but we will take more because I think this is going to be a thing for a long time because it is so exciting to talk to couples that probably a lot of them haven't been to counseling or coaching. And I know that a lot of people that are going to listen are going to listen because they're not even sure what that would look like. And I think it's going to help people understand that it's not as scary to talk about difficult things when you have the right tools to talk about them. So last week, I think it was, I did an episode on parenting and I had planned on going deep and answering a bunch of questions that I had saved up from previous parenting podcast episodes. But I just got so excited about talking about the challenges of parenting the kids these days and then I laid out some Nurtured Heart principles, Nurtured Heart parenting technique, which is, is amazing to me. And I know there are other wonderful parenting techniques out there. And I just feel like it is so important for you or if you're in a relationship, you and your partner, you and your spouse, to have a, a framework to begin. And that way you're not arguing about how do we even parent because your kids are going to push your buttons. That's their job. The, the Their job as they grow old is to start to push away from the parent and that can be a really difficult thing because as a parent we want uh, often most of the time we want nothing more than to see our kids succeed and then we don't even realize that often what we're dealing with is our own discomfort when they make decisions so we don't want to feel uncomfortable so we want to see if we can control the way that they interact with the world because that will make us feel better but in reality they're going to interact with the world in in a perfect situation we have this secure attachment with them. Yeah, we've taught them all the things that we feel like we can teach them, and that doesn't end. We're gonna to continue to do that. But we move from this, I heard one time, we move them from this almost energy or vibe of you are the coach on the field when they are young, and then as they get older, you move more into this role as almost like a general manager. You're giving advice, you're trying to put the pieces together, and of course, I'm using a sports analogy, but you're trying to put the pieces together to help the help them succeed and help them win, but ultimately, they have to play that game. And if you are down there and you are the coach on the field as they get older, they will start to uh, have a lot of that psychological reactance or that instant negative reaction of being told what to do. So there, there are definitely ways to handle parenting teenagers that are different than uh, parenting adolescents or young kids. So I got a lot of questions and I'm going to go through those and I'm going to try to get through as many as I can. We might end up needing a part three of this as well. And I just, again, your mileage may vary. And I feel uh, that I will act nothing more than as authentic as I can based on those things I talked about in part one. If you haven't heard part one, it might be a good idea to go jump over there because before I got to the nurtured heart parenting part or before I talked about how we're going to talk about my four pillars of a connected conversation today to allow you to be able to show up and and hold a, a framework and stay present in a conversation with an emotionally immature kid, which they all are. And they're going to try to push your buttons. They're going to try to get you to react, because if you react, now we're going to be able to talk about, uh, you don't care about me, and I can't believe you're reacting, and I didn't say that, and we're not going to stick to whatever the, the conversation really is about. So knowing that part of their job is to push buttons, it is to try to get the conversation out in the weeds, because then they don't, have, they don't have to feel uncomfortable. I mean, it's uncomfortable when you watch your parent get angry and frustrated, but they don't have to deal with the fact that they may not have an answer to the question you ask them. Why? You take out the garbage. Or they might not have a real answer of why they came home late and they broke curfew, so that if they can get you to get really frustrated and angry because they claim that no one else has a curfew, and my friend's parents don't have a curfew, and curfews are dumb. And if you take any of those if you react any of those buttons being pushed, now we're not even talking about the fact that they showed up late. So there's this over underlying principle that I'm working from. But let me get right to the questions. The first one has a little bit of, it's a little long, but I think it's one thats we're jumping right into the deep end. The person said, when I listen to your podcast about parenting, part of me is grateful to hear some better ideas of how to respond to my kids, how to respond to their good and bad behavior. But another part of me feels upset and frustrated to the point where my knee jerk reaction is to bury my head and stop it because it's so hard and to stop trying so hard. They said, it feels like parents have to be perfect or we're the cause of ruining our kids' lives. And that, of course, is impossible to be. And I absolutely agree. And the goal here is not that one must be perfect. This person says, it feels so impossible to raise uh, kids in this crazy backward world right now. Now, if parents don't do everything right, according to the modern progressive definition of what's right, we are suddenly responsible for all of our kids' problems, which can be huge. The stakes are very high, and it feels like I'm trying to walk in quicksand. They say a little background that their oldest child they feel has borderline personality disorder and tells elaborate lies about them to the point that they think their child is actually starting to believe the lies are true. Now, according to this child, this person who wrote in is responsible for the child's eating disorder. They said that they don't have an eating disorder never have. According to the child, the the parent is also responsible for the insecurities for their self-harming, and this parent says, I feel like I need counseling for PTSD just from raising my child, who is now an adult and on their own. I'm trying to raise my large family with many younger kids still left at home, and I'm scared to death that everything I do can and will be held against me. Every insecurity I have will be scrutinized and blown up, and I will be blamed for every insecurity my child has. So they said, I guess my question is this, at what point can the focus be personal responsibility for our children? We're all responsible for our emotions and actions and feeding into this progressive modern mindset of victim mentality by even putting it out there that we as their parents, who are not in any way emotionally or physically abusive, could be responsible for our children's future destruction if the cards aren't played just so that that fuels the fire of our children acting out, self-harming for attention, blaming others for their problems. This person says, of course, I know there are extreme, abusive parent exceptions, but when the parents are good and solid and loving, proactive parents, it seems that we should not and cannot be responsible for our children's successes and failures. At this point, it feels so difficult to succeed. I feel like I failed before I even opened my mouth. I've tried so hard to be a loving and devoted mother, as that has been my number one goal in life, and even felt confident in my parenting skills back when this child was a kid. I fear my fault here and my child struggling so much is from my overkindness, my forgiving, and my understanding, maybe not holding the line enough, and allowing too much bad behavior out of compassion for my child's mental instability and insecurities. I feel so worn out and confused at what the right way is to raise our kids. My world feels turned upside down, and I don't know how to not show emotion or insecurity to my family. I try really hard not to. My child's estrangement feels like a death, and I wish so much that I could have prevented it. Signed, a now very defeated and confused parent. That's heavy, and I can imagine a lot of people hearing that will identify, that that will really resonate and hit home, because this is something that I feel like most parents that I talk to, most every parent I talk to, is struggling with some or all of these same feelings. And if I go and I start to break this down, which we could do, I want this person, I want anyone to know that when I talk about that, even if you have done your very best, that that child is still going to go into their adult years with some Challenges, struggles. I think that we want to put these words on like they're going to be damaged or they're going to they're going to blame us or those sort of things. And the reason why I frame it that even the best of parent is still going to have an effect uh, positive, negative, but it's going to be an effect on their kids is honestly trying to get somebody to give themselves some grace and compassion. Because there is no such thing as somebody that's been a perfect parent. Because we all as parents don't know what we don't know. We're working off of the way that we were modeled. We're working off of our what it feels like to be us or our implicit memories, which are based off of all the little things that we've gone through throughout our lives. From the way that we were parented from the way that we watched our friends, parents interact, from the stories that we confabulated or told ourselves about how other families interacted. Because most of the time, this is where the the comparison angle can be so difficult because we only see the the very best in those around us. And so we assume that that person has the perfect uh, home, the perfect, uh, their kids are wonderful and amazing and they never lose their cool and and I don't use all or nothing statements very often, but I am very confident that we all have those challenges and struggles and behind closed doors or out in public. And and if somebody is putting out this this image that they don't, that speaks to some of their own insecurities, that they feel like that's the person I need to portray or else then people will not like me or that's their own abandonment issues that they bring from their own childhood. So where I'm going with this is that It's more of an an angle of acceptance, of acceptance that I could have done my very best and my child is still going to have challenges and issues because that's part of life. The book, The Road Less Traveled, M. Scott Peck, says that one of the first lines is, life is difficult. And once we accept the fact that life is difficult... That is liberating because then we're no longer looking at the it's not fair. Why does my kid have this challenge or why do these people have this money or why did this person get a good job and why do they have a nicer house and why can't I be motivated? And once we accept the fact that life is difficult, the fact that life is difficult no longer really matters or applies because okay it's difficult now what are we going to do about it so when i talk about that you could be the world's greatest parent and your kid and this is the example i like to give often that your kid did not get a pony for their eighth birthday and because you live in a tract neighborhood where you have a 15-foot backyard, and you don't put ponies in your backyard, or you couldn't afford one financially, or it's a bad idea to just give an eight-year-old a pony, any and all of the above. But to the eight-year-old, they've been watching some show, the the movie Spirit, one of my own kids growing up watched that thing about 100,000 times. And so everybody has horses. They would like a horse, please. And when you don't give them the horse, as a kid, then they're going to possibly internalize this fact that, man, if mom and dad would have really cared about me, they would have got me that horse. Because bless their hearts, every kid is a little egocentric, kind of a borderline narcissistic uh, little human being walking around where they only have what is in front of them. They only have their own memories, their own interactions, their own feelings, and it's hard for them to have a sense of what other people are going through. And, and I say that because, again, you could provide the most stable parenting environment in the world, but it's about what that kid's perception is. So we start from a place of acceptance. Of an acceptance that we're going to, and and you can tell, I think, that I don't even like saying, we're, we're going to mess our kids up. We're going to do the wrong thing. We're going to, they're going to have issues because of the way we parent it, even if we try. And that's just part of the human condition. And so when I talk about that, that it's an acceptance of, oh, okay, so if my kid is saying that it's your fault, then we are doing life correctly. Because that is the way, that's part of the way this works. So that is where I'm coming from. And so I can understand where this person, why they feel down and why they feel defeated. Because they almost feel like, okay, it doesn't matter what I did. My kid's going to blame me. So let's move on into this. So according, she, she says, according to this child, I'm responsible for their eating disorder, their insecurities, their self-harming. So here's where we get to the point where accountability So when somebody does not feel good about life, about themselves, about the way that they're showing up in their, whether it's their teenage years and their adult years, that is that concept of none of us like to sit with discomfort. We do not like that feeling. And it takes a lot of work, a lot of self-care, a lot of therapy, a lot of support. It takes being in a a very secure relationship with someone in order to be able to really look inward and take ownership and take accountability of, of how I've showed up in life. Because when we're young, we have these dreams that things will be pretty easy and that we will not have discomfort because we're seeing everybody around us on TV, social media, and it looks pretty easy. So if my life isn't easy, then something's wrong with me. And in, and when we're young, especially in this woman's situation, we don't want to say that I possibly didn't work as hard as I could have. I possibly didn't chase my dreams. I possibly spend enough time doing things of that were productive versus playing video games or just watching TV. We, we don't want to accept that at times. So when we feel uncomfortable, now we're looking for external validation. So now if I don't like the way I feel, so I'm gonna project it onto somebody else. And who is the number one person that we interact with the most? Typically our mom. So the first person we can project it on is you, mom. I'm this way because you, or you never were there for me, or, or you, I couldn't count on you, or any of the. let me step over and say to, to the mom, you, you did do the best that you could literally you did the best that you could because you did the things you did because this is the first time that you were you as a parent in that situation interacting with all the things around you You might be battling your anxieties or depression you might be battling uh, financial pressures you might be dealing with a spouse that maybe isn't as, as supportive or there for you and so you are whatever you are doing you are doing your best And and because you don't know what you don't know. And even when you start to learn more things about parenting or you learn about the nurtured heart approach or love and logic or one of these new welcome to the process of enlightenment or growth, you didn't know what you didn't know. Give yourself grace. Forgive yourself. If, If hearing my last episode is the first time you heard about the nurtured heart approach or kids these days, then it's going to feel heavy and you're going to try to make sense of things that have already happened and they've already happened. So acceptance. Acceptance does not mean apathy. Acceptance leads to grace. Forgive yourself. Start from a place of, okay, I did not know that. I'm a human being. Now I know that. Now, what happens when you start to know what you didn't know is your brain still craves the path of least resistance. So it is going to be a lot of effort to to be very intentional about trying to show up differently in a relationship, especially a parental relationship because you're gonna have a lot of these moments where you're gonna feel like, I already know how this is gonna play out. My kid's gonna get mad at me, my kid's not gonna do what they're gonna ask, my spouse, my husband, whoever, is now gonna say, why didn't you say this to them, I would have said this. So a lot of times that's where our brain just says, you know what, I'm gonna start tomorrow. I'm gonna do this tomorrow. And I often say, if you're at the middle of the week, when are you gonna start? Monday, Monday, I'm gonna be a brand new parent. if you're at the middle of the month, then next month. And if you're in July, then you know what, New Year's resolution, I'm gonna be the world's greatest parent. Because our brain just says, I'll deal with it later because I don't know. That's uncertain. And and I crave certainty. So where I'm going with that is it's normal. You did your best. You have done your best and and give yourself grace and acceptance. Life is difficult. We're accepting that now. Here we go. Now we're not even arguing that. We're not trying to see why. Why is life difficult? Or or why does this happen to me? Or why didn't I know? Well, the reason why it's happening to you is it's happening to you. And the reason you didn't know is you didn't know. Not trying to be dismissive. But acceptance is a beautiful thing. Acceptance, though, does not mean apathy. Our brain is wired to think that if I accept this, that that means that I guess that I will never do anything again. What an adorable story our brain tells us. But acceptance means that now that I accept the fact that I didn't know that I didn't know what I didn't know, you know what I mean? Then okay, now I can take action. And now that I'm going to start taking action, my brain's still going to throw out the, yeah, but it might not work. Yeah, but you're not really sure how this is going to go. Yeah, but he seems pretty angry. You're going to get all those yeah buts because you're about to venture into a scary new territory. Now, here's what I think is fascinating about this, too, is every family, every relationship, every family, every situation evolves into a system. You've got this family system. We all end up playing roles in the system. So back to what this lady's talking about is if her son doesn't feel good about himself, and maybe he's engaged in some self-harm, or maybe he's had some addictive tendencies and bless his heart, because that's incredibly difficult, because I know, especially in this day and age, looking at the world of social media and those around us, that people are putting themselves out there as if life is easy, and, and it's not. As a matter of fact, the more they put them out there, the more somebody's putting themselves out there, saying, look at me, how perfect I am. What they're seeking is validation. They want to see those comments and those likes and those things that come in that say, you're awesome. You, you look so good. Oh, my favorite person. They want that dopamine bump of those likes. But then at times now it's go back to not doing much of anything until I can muster up the next picture where I look perfect or whatever that situation is. So that acceptance doesn't mean apathy at all. And then that family system dynamic is fascinating. So right now in this email, mom plays a role of trying to fix, trying to help. And then kids being able to then project and say, you don't understand, this is your fault. So if all of a sudden mom shifts her energy and just says, man, I'm going to give myself grace and I'm going to start showing up different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nurture, I'm going to look at something like that nurtured heart approach that Tony talked about and I am going to start stop reacting to the button pushing. When the person says, you were never there for me, mom, You know this is all your fault. If now that mom, and this is why I want this framework, I want to give this framework to the world, uh, four pillars, assume good intentions. They're not trying to hurt you. That is a, that is a pillar that can help so much. If my kid now, my adult kid, my teenage kid is saying, this is your fault. You don't even know what you've done. And you still don't even take ownership or accountability for what you've done to me, mom, assuming good intentions, or there's a reason why they're doing what they're doing. Now, I will tell you the reason why they're doing what they're doing is because they are still uncomfortable with where they're at in life and telling them, well, you just need to. Mm, not, it, it wants to come out of us, but it's not the, the right way to handle this. You just need to. Then here comes that psychological reactance, that instant negative reaction of being told what to do. You just need to whatever comes next. Their brain is saying, I will not be I will not be doing that, even if it's fantastic advice, even if it's amazing advice. So my pillar assuming good intentions or there's a reason why somebody is saying or expressing themselves the way they do. I still do not believe somebody wakes up in the morning and thinks I cannot wait to ruin everybody's day or make everybody miserable. Now, if somebody is doing that on a day to day basis, then I go into that part of the pillar one that where I say there's a reason why. And it's because they are hurting. They're in pain and they don't know how to express themselves. They are emotionally immature. They they maybe haven't done the work that now they wish they could have. And so what it feels like to be them is hard. It really is. So the pillar one, that's how they're showing up. Pillar two is so important in this role with this mom is that she cannot put off the message, the vibe, the energy that is ridiculous or I don't believe you. Now, take a breath right here. I feel like that's where people just hear me talk about my second pillar and then they stop and they say, okay, so I just have to agree that I'm a big, horrible piece of garbage? No. Pillar two is almost a mindset or an energy or a vibe of that as I am now assuming that they are not trying to hurt me or there's a reason why they're saying the things they're doing. Pillar two is that and I am not going to say you cannot say that to me. That is ridiculous. That is not true. Even if I absolutely feel that way, even if I feel like that really isn't OK and that's uncalled for, if I now jump up big and say I, you will not talk to me that way. I just got my button pushed, and now what are we gonna start talking about? That person, that human being, that teenager, that adult child, that, that spouse, that whoever it is, now gets to say, oh, I can't talk to you that way. You don't ever, you, so you're perfect. You Apparently you talk to everyone perfectly all the Now I got my button pushed, and now I'm gonna start defending that. No, I'm not saying I'm perfect. Well, it sure sounds like it to me if you're the person who's. So now I hope you can see why the, the pillars, These the reason I created these four pillars Based off of emotionally focused therapy, there is evidence behind these, is that if the person that you're communicating with can get you to go off topic and out into the weeds, then we will never get to accountability. We just won't. We will keep having these same conversations over and over, and that's why it's not about whatever they get you going off on some tangent on. It's about the fact that they don't know how to show up in an emotionally mature way, and then we feed into that. That's where that family system comes in. We feed into that. We play that role. I then become my kid's favorite toy because they can push a button and I explode. What fun to watch uh, dad react the way that he is. So if I step out of that role as fixer, as punisher, as whatever that role is, now we're going to start shifting the dynamic in the family. So pillar three is I'm going to go into questions before comments. So if this kid is saying, this is all your fault, mom. And I've dropped into my four pillars. First of all, I'm, I'm using my nurtured heart skills. I am I, noticing that they are pushing my buttons. And yeah, this is a button that uh, the old it's your fault button is probably pretty big. And I probably wear it right on my chest. Pretty easy for them to get to that button. So I've had to put that button around to my back. I've had to cover it with some sort of thing to protect it. And so they're trying the, it's all your fault. You don't care about me. Assuming good intentions, there's a reason why they're saying what they're saying. Pillar two, I am not going to say, are you kidding me? Even though I am absolutely thinking it. Pillar three, I'm going to say, man, that that sounds hard. Tell me more about that. Take me on your train of thought. What led you there? What led you to that place? Help me see my blind spots. Because this is where I really believe confidently that you're gonna to start to hear just a repetitive track of their greatest hits. Well you you didn't support me when I was twelve and I wanted to play whatever, and I always and one time I told you this and then you embarrassed me one time. And because again, they are now going through here's all the ways that I can push your buttons and you will react, and then I don't have to even look inward at myself. I don't have to self-confront, I don't have to take ownership of anything. So if I go into the questions, tell me more about that before I give a comment. Oftentimes, when you're dealing with somebody that's incredibly emotionally immature, bless their heart, and they're reacting in that way, and they just need us to jump back into that framework of that, that system, they need me to get angry so that then they can leave the room, then I may not even get to the comments part of my pillar three. I might ask a lot of questions, tell me more, but I might not say, okay, well, here's, here's what I think. I feel like we might not even get to that in my four pillars because the person is just looking for us to react because then we're going to go off topic so parenting it's a long game and i feel like often this is that moment and and part of my four pillar framework is the goal for a while is going to be just to be heard and understood because they want to push our buttons so that we react and even if we don't get our buttons pushed we feel like this is my opportunity to solve and resolve and fix and it's not we we are playing the long game I'm going to commit to hearing and understanding my kid, and I may take a little while before I say, here's what I think you should do, or have you tried this, because that is exactly what they're waiting for, because that's been the role that we've played. I talked to somebody a couple of days ago that's going to come on the podcast in, in a little while and talk about a little bit of a change to the parenting paradigm. It's a little different than Nurtured Heart, and I really like it. I've been looking into it more but they were just telling me, and I thought this was a really good point, that a kid needs play. They need play throughout their lives. They need the, the parent to enter, to be the one to initiate play. And even as a, an adult, when your kids are getting, they need us to say, "Let's go, you know, let's go have a catch, son. Or let's go play golf. Or let's play a board game. And if the kid is saying no, or what's your angle? You know, we're going to drop into this nurtured heart framework. We're going to drop into these four pillars. But the point that I, they made, which I thought was so good, is that we, we almost have to build the social capital with them so that then they don't just see us as the the punisher or the fixer or the judger. They see us as somebody that cares about them enough to then want to spend time with them. So we build up a little bit of this emotional resiliency or build up our emotional bank account. So now when they're saying, hey, and and would you mind helping me with the dishes or cleaning the table? This isn't just the person that that says, hey, can you do that? And then I will love you. It's the person that loves me who's then asking for help. And if you are at a place where your kids are older, I I don't want you to go, oh my gosh, I've ruined it. There's no way I'll do that. It's acceptance that I did not know that. So now, now I can start to, hey, I'm gonna be a little more intentional about reaching out to my kids, be them in the house, out of the house, and start to try to, to rebuild some of that social capital. My pillar four is the not going into a victim mode or mindset, it's leaning in, it's staying present. So back to this example of the kid saying, it's all your fault, mom, and you were never there for me. And now, again, I'm assuming good intentions or there's a reason why he's saying what he's doing. He must be in pain, that would be really hard. I'm not gonna tell him he's ridiculous. I'm gonna ask some questions. Help me understand. Give me an idea of when this happens. What does that look like for you? Help me see my blind spots. And then pillar four, I'm gonna stay very present. I'm, I'm not gonna say, well, I guess I'm just the world's worst parent because if I'm doing that, it's because I want them to tell me, no, it's, you're okay. You're a good parent, mom. You're a good parent, dad. I don't need them to rescue me. I need to be able to show them that I can hold this frame, this presence, and i pulled a tab up on my on my browser today and in my marriage course with, with my friend Preston Pugmire, when we developed the course and we talk about the four pillars, we talk about a connected conversation script, and we talk about so many wonderful things in there. And there was uh, two things that he wanted to bring into the course. One was an, a module on accountability, and it, it's mind-blowing. It really is of, of how scary it can be to take ownership or of accountability of the things, the way that you show up in a relationship. But it's one of those things that feels scary until you have a framework or a model to take accountability, and then it feels liberating. It really does, but the other thing that he brought into there was it's the concepts of of masculine and feminine energy. Now, this is a difficult one to talk about. I I feel like a little bit in the in I want to say in today's climate, but only because the masculine and feminine have such uh, meanings, especially today. And the masculine feminine energy is not about male female. It's more about presence. Maybe the masculine energy is presence and the female or the feminine is radiance or creativity or expression. And so i even went to the point where i did some googling and was looking at in different cultures i think in indian culture it's shiva and shakti i believe this might be what some people look at as yin and yang and on the marriage course i think at some point i even say i don't care if we call it hamburgers and hot dogs because it doesn't mean i can have feminine energy and my wife can have masculine energy so if you cannot think about this as male female then i think this helps a lot this makes some sense the module that i pulled up i pulled up a document from the marriage course And the reason i talk about this is because if we're talking about again this what i'm going to say is instead of feminine uh, energy i'm going to say radiance instead of masculine i'm going to say present and so the the presence the that energy that vibe is we often say in the course it's the riverbank to the flowing water it's the picture frame to the artwork so at some point when a kid is trying to get you out into the weeds and push your buttons then they are in this unhealthy, again, feminine or radiant energy. Unhealthy is codependent, submissive, docile, placating, over-accommodating, people-pleasing, self-pitying, vengeful, manipulative, abusive, don't own their truth, don't speak up, resent. Now, the healthy feminine or the healthy version of radiance is being creative and imaginative and intuitive and loving and welcoming and patient and expressive and magic and close and have healthy boundaries. So if someone is being very expressive and trying to push your buttons and being angry and and rude, then if we drop into that unhealthy version of radiance or that unhealthy version of this feminine energy, again, not about male or female, and then we become docile, placating, over-accommodating, people-pleasing then we're out of alignment. We're out of polarity. So what this nurtured heart approach and my four pillars are trying to get you to be able to hold this, this confident of this energy of being welcoming, being patient, being expressive, being loving, being close, and having healthy boundaries. Now, let's jump over into the, the masculine energy. Again, not talking about male, but the masculine energy or the concept of presence. This is the riverbank. This is the the picture frame to the artwork. Presence, holding that masculine frame or holding that presence, holding that present frame. The unhealthy version of this is closed, overly analytical, dominating, critical, raging, logic-based, linear thinking, apathetic, mocking, and demanding. If you all of a sudden have someone that is being very expressive... And and I'm not talking about the healthy kind of expression, but they are pushing buttons and they are reacting. And now if you step into the unhealthy masculine role or the unhealthy version of presence, you're not that riverbank, you're not that picture frame, you are then going to be dominating, critical, raging, linear thinking, apathetic, mocking, demanding. And if you're showing up that way when your buttons are pushed, then we are out of alignment. We are out of polarity. So, what is the healthy version of that? The healthy version, the holding my four pillar framework or understanding this nurtured heart approach, the healthy version of this masculine energy or holding the frame of presence is decisive, clear, directed, resilient, takes action, confident, deep love, devotion, practicality, and being reasonable. So, the reason I talk about that is sometimes I want people to look at that when their teenager, their kid, sometimes even their spouse is just being so expressive in an unhealthy way that then we often jump into an unhealthy reaction. We become a people pleaser. We become self-pitying. That's that taking that victim mindset. Or We don't own up to our truth. We become, and there's an unhealthy version of that from the masculine energy side. And we become critical. We become dominating. We become closed. We become over analytical. So when we are out of that alignment or out of that polarity, then that is when we are getting our buttons pushed. So I thought that was so fascinating. And there's a book called Masculine and the Relationship by a guy named Gia. And it's it, it can be difficult, I think, for some people to read that because if they're... And he goes into the, the talking about that it's not about it's not about male, female again. It's about presence and radiance. It's about this energy or being in alignment or polarity, the, these type of things. But I found a review of that book and there's these principles I think are so sound. Number one is it says, do not go into victim mode. So if I am going to play the role of pre- as a parent... Number one thing is don't, yeah, don't go into victim mode. He also says, which I think is so interesting, as he talks about that, that feminine energy or the radiance is testing, that they feel unsafe. And that has helped me so much understand that when somebody comes into my office or if a kid or, you know, if a spouse, and they are just so angry and frustrated and trying to push buttons and you don't understand and nobody does, and and they are in this kind of this victim mindset, that then if I look at that from a framework of they, they feel unsafe, and they are now pushing the boundary. They're testing for safety in the relationship. So then if I go, oh, geez, what got into you? I am not providing this boundary, this healthy boundary. I'm not providing presence to their radiance. I'm not being the river bank to the flowing river. And so when people are are acting ex- this negative energy or, or expressive, the best thing I can do is to hold that frame of presence. And that's what things like the nurture heart approach, not letting them push my buttons, and and the four pillars of being able to know that there's a reason why they're doing what they're doing. They don't feel safe. They don't feel they don't feel at that moment. They maybe don't feel self-love. So they are they're acting out in a very unhealthy way. So that's why it's so important that I can't say you need to knock it off. It might stop the the expression momentarily, but this is an opportunity to hold that frame and just jump into pillar three and say, man, you look frustrated. Tell me what's going on. Help me understand. And I'm going to step out of my ego and I'm going to put connection or my four pillars or the nurtured heart. I'm going to put connection ahead of my fear or my ego because those are the buttons that are going to be pressed. The the connection ahead of fear, fear that, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're saying this or what if I say the wrong thing or put connection of being able to hold this framework and to use this nurtured heart tool or these four pillars of a connected conversation, that's connection. Over fear that I'll say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, or over my ego. Because when they lash out and push buttons and tell me that I'm a horrible husband and father, then I immediately go to self shame. Oh my gosh, that's my biggest fear. I must defend my fragile ego. How will I do that? I might get really angry. I might get manipulative. I might get sad. I might gaslight. And none of the, now the whole relationship is out of alignment, it's out of polarity. So it's so important to, to then hold that frame. I am halfway through the first question, but I thought that was so important to talk about that, and we're probably going to have to get into a part three. Let me go for a few more minutes here. So when I get back to this person's question, at what point can the focus be personal responsibility for our children? We're all responsible for our own emotions and actions. It is once, absolutely. And the way that we have somebody to start to understand or learn responsibility or accountability is when we step out of that unhealthy masculine feminine energy when we step out of that of the they push my button and i react because again now we're nowhere close to personal responsibility personal responsibility comes when i can hold that frame i can see them that they are in pain they can push all my buttons and i understand that's coming from a place where they are they don't know what to do and i get to say man thank you for sharing that that sounds hard that would be really hard if you feel like your own parent has been the source of all of your your misery and woes. Thank you so much for sharing. I feel like I've done the best I can. And I feel like this is an opportunity for growth. And so I'm gonna step out of this role of trying to fix or try, or going into a victim mentality. And and thank you for sharing. Now let's go have a catch. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. A little humor there. But then when she says, at this point it feels difficult to succeed, I feel like I fail before I open my mouth. That's why I really started going into this whole concept, why I wanted to bring in the energy, the masculine, feminine energy. Because if we now are showing up and our head is hung down and we are afraid, we are that fear is well ahead of connection, because we're afraid they're going to attack our ego, that we're going into these situations, these conversations already playing the role that our, that our kids need us to play so that they don't have to take ownership or accountability. So this is where I want you, person who wrote me and anybody listening that this resonates with, is that it—the it, acceptance its not doesn't mean apathy. You didn't know what you didn't know. You absolutely tried your very best, and that, now I'm handing you a new tool. You're probably going to say, yeah, but, yeah, but I've tried that. Yeah, but, yeah, but, and that's the brain. Bless its pink, squishy heart. It's, it, it is so used to the, the, but this is how I feel right now, and I can't trust that that new thing is going to work, and I hear you. And and so you're gonna start putting some things in act. Here's the, I was gonna say sad part. Here's the challenge. It's a good way to frame it. Is that as you step out of your role as fixer, as placator, as scapegoat, as um, punching bag, as you step out of that role and learn to not react and learn to stay present, you are going to get even more buttons pushed because that emotionally immature person needs you back in that role as scapegoat. They need you back in that role as punching bag. Because if you don't respond, if you don't react, if you just say, man, thank you, tell me more, what is that like for you? Then all of a sudden they're hanging out there and and I I know I use humor so much, but I feel like at that point I've watched these moments where the person's like, did I mention you're a crummy parent? Did I already try that one? Yeah. Okay. Did I mention I'll never succeed? Did I go over that one? Did I mention I, I I don't like myself? And I'm not trying to say that dismissive, but again, the buttons. Man, that sounds really hard if you get to this place where you really don't feel like you even like yourself. Tell me about that. What's that like? And I I worry and I want to help and I worry that this is a pattern that we've fallen into. So that's why I feel like this stuff becomes so important. That's why I wanted to go into 30 minutes of trying to answer this question that it's about, it's normal. You are a human being. You've tried the best you can. You didn't have the data, you didn't have the awareness. It's never too late. Absolutely never too late. But now you have to start playing the long game. And right now, your, your only uh, job may be to not react to the buttons pushed and then to send a text every now and again or a phone call that just says, hey, I was thinking about you. And one of the most difficult things is when you then put yourself back in that, hey, I'm thinking about you, champ, as to your adult kid who has not been very nice or has distanced themselves, then for a while, it's going to be like, oh, a new target. You know, thank you, Mom. Did I mentioned that you you ruined me. And then I want you to be able to say, Okay, yeah, that I understand and maybe this is internal dialogue. I can see what Tony was saying. And now's my chance to step out of that unhealthy relationship or that unhealthy role in the family system and I'm gonna say, Yeah, no, tell me about that. I know you've said that. I I want to hear more about that. This is where I would almost recommend jumping over to my Waking Up the Narcissism episode, though, and go listen to the one on amygdala hijack. Your amygdala is what is the little part of your brain that protects you. It's your fight or flight response. So the unfortunate part is that while they push buttons, at times you're just going to react because your thoughts are traveling faster than logic or your emotions are traveling faster than logic. So be aware. This is why you really have to start doing a self-care routine. You have to raise your emotional baseline. If you're feeling so down right now that you don't even want to show up in a relationship, then I hear you and bless your heart and it is time for self-care. Because what your body is trying to say is, I don't even know if I can do this. And in essence, I almost subconsciously need somebody to come rescue me. But that is a lot to put on. And I'm not saying that it's a lot to put on somebody. But if I'm looking for somebody else to make me feel better, again, external validation, there's a big chance, high, high probability that they're not going to do it the right way. They're not going to be there the way that you hope that they are. And then you get to say they don't care about me. And something's wrong with me. This is where it, you know we need to start mustering up the validation internally. And what that looks like is I need to, to take action. I need to engage in some self-care I and go to the Waking Up the Narcissism podcast as well. And Nate Christensen, my uh, associate and intern, we did an amazing, I feel so I healthy, I'll stand on my healthy ego here and say we did an amazing episode about self-care. Self-care is not just going to get a pedicure and run in a marathon. Self-care is starting to, it's what it feels like to be you. It's starting to think and dream and feel and believe, and that might happen internally and that might take a while, but you're starting to move the ship toward hope, toward, okay, I'm learning. And then as I am filling a different role as a parent, as a spouse, as an employee, whatever that looks like, just know that the people that have relied on you to be a certain type of person in the relationship, typically the one that ends up taking ownership and blame, that, that they're going to push more buttons and you know at that point you're doing it right. And at some point, then that transitions into now you become the person that is is confident, that is bringing that calm, confident energy into a situation, not looking for external validation because you're okay. And now you're showing up confident. You're showing up and you're able to be more curious about somebody else's experience and not then feel like they're attacking you. And that's emotional maturity, my friend. That is so so heading on the path of, of of a stronger connection to people. Let me jump through a couple more of these. And man, I, I got so many and we are going to have to do a part three, but I, I don't want to go on too long. One person, just uh, real quick, when they said my children are over 21, can you fix what you broke? It's one of those moments I had known. If I had known, had I known then what I know now, can you fix the insecurities, the imbalance, now that they're adults and hit rewind and listen to the last 35 minutes of this episode? Because yeah, you can, you, I would love for you to not look at it as what I broke. I would love for you to look at it as, can you start to build a healthier relationship? Not can you fix what's broke, but can you build a healthier relationship? Had you known then what you know now is part of life. And I like, I'm a therapist. I've been doing this for a long time. I've got these tools and techniques. And one of my daughters, and I love this, I love this because I had to practice what I preach so much, but she shared with me that I had created a little bit of an unhealthy relationship with celebrations and food. And, and she was so sweet because she said, I know, I know, I know you didn't mean to. And I just said, man, I, no, I thank you so much for sharing that. And I said, tell me more about that. And they just noticed that in their adult relationships now that they find themselves every time there's even a, a slight moment to celebrate something, then let's go get something to eat. Where does that come from? Because I absolutely did that with my family because I don't remember going out to eat very much as a kid. So going out to eat was such a, it was amazing. It was like uh, you go to this, this land of Oz and there's, there's uh, fountains of drink. There are people that are bringing you food. This is an incredible experience. So then growing up, it was one of those things of, oh, if I could only take my kids out to eat often and we could go to movies often and we could go on vacations, we go to the beach, we can go. So we absolutely did that. So when my daughter shared this with me, yeah, there was a tiny moment where it, it hits the ego a little bit like, ah, oh, I was a bad dad, but it was like, oh no, that was their experience. And and I knew what I knew and I was trying my best. So acceptance was like, man, thank you so much for sharing that. And I took ownership of it. Absolutely. You are correct. And I am so grateful now that she is starting to to change that dynamic in her relationship. So then, and that's all we can do. We bring the stuff to the table that we doing our best based off of the way that we were raised. And, and now we grow. And so that was an amazing uh, experience. So can you fix what you broke? How about, can you improve the relationship? Can you re-engage in the relationship? Had you known then what you know now? Yeah, that's part of being human, absolutely. Can you fix the insecurities and the imbalance now that they're adults and moved out? You can absolutely do your part. And let me be very clear about that. You can start to work on self-care. You can start to work on that uh, restoring more of a balance and showing up in a way that is more confident and taking ownership and accountability and holding this frame, this masculine frame, the presence to their radiance, but being completely honest, that is the best chance for change in the whole family dynamic. But that doesn't guarantee that that change is gonna happen in the family dynamic. But I just want you to come from a place of where you know that you're a human being and you know that you are doing your best and you know that now you are armed with new information and data because maybe this is just a seed to plant. But the more you show up that way, even if you're stepping out of the role that you previously played in the relationship as the mom who was taking all the blame and the ownership, that even if you don't have that connection now, if you start to show up consistently and you reach out and just let them know, hey, I'm thinking about you. And if they try to push buttons, you know, man, I guess I'm doing this right because they're pushing more buttons and you stay consistent, then at some point when that person, your, tit, your adult kid, when they have kids, when they go through challenges, they go through struggles, and they see that you are there, you are that presence, you're that calm presence, then that's maybe where they will then recognize, oh my gosh, you know, they, my parents, my, my mom did an amazing amount of work, and she's a different person, and we still have this desire to connect with our parental figure, and that at that point, that might be that opportunity to then connect. But that won't be an opportunity if you then just wither, recede, withdraw, and then just say, it's too late. Something's wrong with me. I'm broken. Because that's not what we're meant to do here upon the earth. We're meant to go through experiences and we're meant to grow, to don't bury those talents. So we want to be able to then use one and now learn, okay, because of this experience that has led me in this direction, now I have this information, now I learned this new talent and skill, now that takes me in a completely different direction. And that's growth. We know we talk about things like growth mindset, but that's where it starts. It doesn't start from withdrawing and shrinking and feeling like what's wrong with me and I'll, I'm, I'll never figure this out that's a deep desire to have somebody come reach out and rescue us. And at some point as adults, it's up to us to start to to rescue ourselves. And we can absolutely do that. Let me do one more here that I think this one's pretty, pretty interesting. And then I apologize to the people that have sent them in. So actually now, if you've heard part one and part two, um, send me your questions, contact at TonyOverbay.com or go through my, my website. And I promise part three, it will be nothing but just Q and A's. It'll be as if we're on a talk radio show. See, how do I compromise on privileges of driving when my teenage son feels so entitled to be able to drive, even when he's rebellious with what we've always done as a family and what we've taught him as a family, when he has no interest to be or do the things with the family unless it benefits him in something he wants. I almost feel now like you're going to know where I'm going to go with this one, that I'm going to start from a place of uh, pillar one. He is not, this isn't, his goal isn't to wake up in the morning and think, I cannot wait to go off on my parents and tell them how dumb they are. Or if that's what he's doing there's a reason why because he feels like the only time he feels heard or understood is if he has to go big and, and go with big emotions so this is your opportunity then to then reach out and say tell me what that feels like i'm noticing that you that you don't have interest in the things that we're doing unless it benefits you take me on your train of thought help me understand and there's so much even in just one paragraph where the person says Um, He's rebellious with what we've always done as a family and what we've taught him as a family. I feel very strongly that this is where we got to go double down on curiosity. And we're assuming that he knows this is what we do. These are our family rules. This is the way we show up. And maybe he does know, but we don't understand what that is like for him based on his own nature, nurture, birth order, all of those things that come into play. And so this is where when we can spend some time not just saying you you must do this, but saying, hey, help me understand. Take me on your train of thought. And again, I'm going to step out of that role. I talked about this on the last episode as punisher and there, yeah, we're going to have some consequences. That's fine. We need some, we can have some rules. I will, I will give us that. But when we say you can come to me with anything champ, and then I will also then punish you when you come to me with the wrong things we are, how is our kid supposed to even come to us and, and express real emotion or desire or challenges or issues? So then that's when sometimes the only way they feel like they can come to us is through anger or or frustration or withdrawal. So this is on you in a good way, parent, to then say, oh, okay, I know the role I've been playing in this dynamic and it's time for me to step out of that role and I now am starting to understand and have the tools to do so. Okay. Send me your questions. We'll get to part three. If you get this today, this is going out on a Wednesday. I'm going to be keynoting a keynote speaker at the uh, Utah Association of Marriage and Family Therapists convention later this week. So if you happen to be a therapist in Utah and you're going to that convention, please come say hi. That would be a blast to, uh, to meet you and talk to you and to send in your questions. Thanks for all the support. And I will see you next time on the virtual couch. Taking us away as per usual is the wonderful, the talented, the now um, coming up regularly on my uh, TikTok stories or feed or however that works Aurora Florence with her song It's Wonderful
1: Compressed emotions flying past our heads and out the other end the pressures of the daily grind it's wonderful